Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 133 of the Citrix session. I'm your host, Bill Sutton. Today, Andy Whiteside is unavailable for this one, so we're going we're gonna to carry on without him. With me, as usual, I have Todd Smith and Jeremy Myers from the Cloud Software Group, uh, a.k.a. Citrix. Uh, Todd, you want to say hello? Hey, good good day, and thanks for uh, thanks for having us here today, Bill. Um, we do miss Andy, but uh, you know it's great to have you as a uh, as a fill in host for this. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, we do miss Andy for sure. Jeremy, you want to say hello? Good morning, good afternoon, actually. Right, so um, yeah, barely. How are you guys doing, Bill? I got to see you last week in Chicago, Todd. Yeah. One of these days, I guess I get to see you here in about a month, won't I? Yeah, down in Orlando. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, it was good seeing you, Jeremy. I'm actually, as soon as we're finished with this recording of the podcast, I'm actually headed, headed to Huntersville. I think I will see you tomorrow as well at one of our Blueprint dinners or lunches. That is right. Have. I will be there. I will be yeah. there. In fact, I will be tag teaming the uh, the presentation. So I'll be doing the Citrix presentation. Very good. So that'll be fun. Okay. Definitely. So we settled today on a blog article. It's entitled Accelerate Your Hybrid Strategy with Citrix and Nutanix Cloud Clusters on Azure, written by Calvin Sue. Uh, this is timely for some of us. Uh, Jeremy, as he mentioned, and I were at the Nutanix.next conference out in Chicago last week. And this was uh, a one of the topics, um, one of the topics of the conference, uh, talking about NC2, as Nutanix of, often refers to it. Um, so this, uh, we'll, we'll just hit, jump right into it. Um, Jeremy, you want to start us off, kick us off? Um, yeah. So first of all, it was really good being in Chicago last week. So, I mean, I've been working with the Citrix on Nutanix stack for a while. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of parallels as the two companies. So, you know, I think we kind of both lean into, you know, hybrid computing, is where a lot of customers are going to end up landing, right? So, you know, I think Todd will tell you, Bill, you've probably seen this firsthand. We have a lot of customers who were on-premise, on-premises, so to speak, and when investigating, you know, leveraging the cloud, look to just lift and shift, move everything to the cloud. And then I guess what they found out is maybe on some levels it cost too much. On some levels, just the application architecture didn't make sense. But for whatever reason they chose, they decided that they're going to have to have a mix between on-premise, cloud, and in some cases, multiple clouds. Ultimately, you know, things are going to have to live wherever they live. Right. The business is going to drive a lot of that. And so, you know, ultimately, that was kind of the whole, you know, that was a lot of the messaging around Nutanix Next last week. That's been the messaging around, you know, the Citrix business unit for, you know, several months now. So it was kind of interesting to see the combination. So I think what this blog post does is really talk about where, you know, Citrix is headed. So Calvin Shu is, you know, one of the principal, he's the director of, you know, product marketing for the Citrix BU, where we're headed and how that sort of connects with where Nutanix is headed. And ultimately, you know, what they're doing here and extending out their cloud clusters to uh, to Azure, which is pretty slick, actually. Yeah. And Jeremy, to your point about, you know, the customers being either apprehensive or or limited as to, to their move to the cloud. Um, you know, sometimes there was also uh, financial reasons why they couldn't move to the cloud. So, for instance, you know, a lot of customers have invested a big amounts of dollars in building out data centers that were amortized over 10, 15, 20 years uh, that they're that they really can't move out of the cloud easily from a financial perspective. 
And the other big reason why people are hesitating to move to the cloud is because sometimes it's a data sovereignty or data governance issue where they can't put data or services in a cloud based on regulatory requirements or compliance requirements or you know uh, the control plane needs to reside within certain areas of the world and is prohibited from being publicly accessible, right? So there, there's other reasons besides the technologies that are uh, that sometimes limit uh, folks' ability to go to the cloud, go directly to the cloud. Yeah, so why don't we, um, those are all great points. Why don't we step back a second and talk about what is NC2 on Azure? Um, what are Nutanix cloud clusters? What does that really mean? Um, do either of you guys have insight into that? I have some general ideas, but um, either of you guys have more insight in that into that than I do? Uh, I, I do. In fact, it was... <laughs> So uh, kind of from two different perspectives. So the first one being, you know, uh, listen, I don't work for Nutanix. I don't have a Nutanix cluster sitting in the back, you know, that I can go pop in and, and look into. You know, I, I watch as much YouTube about things as I do anything else. So, you know, so going into Next, I knew a lot of this stuff at like an academic level outside of, you know, I've got a lot of customers who have been deploying on Acropolis in general for years. Um, but walking into the Nutanix, like the, the vendor booth and just walking in as a beginner all over again and going, hey, guys, will you show me what this looks like? And having them take me through was kind of cool, actually. But, you know, ultimately, the idea is, you know, today, when you think about it, um, when you're running workloads on premises, you're probably hosting them on vSphere. Maybe you're running if you're a Nutanix customer, it's probably Acropolis. Um, if you're a Citrix customer that's been doing this for years, it might be even Zen Server, Citrix hypervisor. But ultimately, you got a tool stack that you're running on-prem, which by the way is very different than what you're running in Azure, right? So you log into Azure, you're learning the tooling around how to manage, you know, Azure Resource Manager. You're figuring out how to run ARM. And by the way, if you go to AWS, you're doing the same thing. You've got to learn the AWS stack, right? which is completely different than Azure, which is completely different than your on-prem. So what Nutanix is doing with Nutanix Cloud customer uh, clusters is trying to sort of normalize that experience. You're running Acropolis across all three clouds is what it is. So from one view, Prism, right, I have visibility into all of my three different clouds. I can manage workloads from one vantage point. I hate to say one pane of glass, but I can orchestrate from Prism to all three different types of locations, which is fantastic. So... What that means is if I'm trying to build an application and I do it on-premises, it makes it really easy to move that to Azure. It makes it really easy to move to AWS because I'm not having to retool the app or the workload because it's still running on Acropolis, which is pretty cool. Now, how that works in practice is different on our, on AWS. So I think on AWS, it's bare metal. So I'm running Acropolis on bare metal AWS you know, instances. If I'm doing this in Azure, it works a little bit differently. So it's more of an integrated solution on top of Azure. But ultimately, as an IT professional, I don't need to care, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm just looking at Prism and Acropolis manages the workloads however it works. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting because what well, you said something I wasn't aware of, Jeremy. So I probably would have said it wrong. I'm glad you went <laughs> first. Um, mm. So I think my understanding of NC2 on Azure was that it was a mirror, if you will, not a mirror, but a very similar deployment to NC2 on AWS. In other words, it was running on bare metal, but that's apparently not the case. However, from the standpoint of an administrator or an engineer at a customer, it looks the same. In other words, they mm -hmm. one of the big advantages, as I understand it, is the ability to, to essentially move workloads in real time from one location to the other, kind of in the... Mm -hmm. 
in the vein of um, of of you know like Zen Motion or V Motion, we could do between uh, the same cluster on premises. This is a very similar um, similar process and does not require the reconfiguration of the workload or refactoring of the workload in terms of having to pull drivers out mm-hmm. and inject new drivers and that sort of thing because it's the same platform. So let me let me just clarify one thing because I did sure. go into the booth and ask this right. I wanted to know could I. By the way, what do they call it when you you call it V-Motion or Zen-Motion? What is it called in the Acropolis world? That's you a good between? question. So we're going to call it A-Motion right now because I don't know what to call it. Uh, right. We'll fix this We'll fix this on next week's podcast. But ultimately... Right. I think it's Migrate VMs or something, you know, something generic. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did ask the question, can I sort of do that live motion across, you know, on-premises to cloud? And the okay. answer was uh, there is a little bit of downtime. So it's not... Okay. Kind of like V motion where the user or you know, no one knows. Right. There's a little bit of downtime that takes, you know, it mirrors it over to the other side, right. probably does a, a mirror of the mirror, you know, to get the yeah. deltas until the deltas. there's an off and on. I think some of that just has to do with the uh just the response time. Yeah. You know, it's got to be super low to be able to pull something off like that. Easy to do in the data center. Between data centers, it becomes a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um so as far as I know, there is some kind of downtime, although it's not a lot. And to your point. You're not having to refactor your workload, which is a right. really big deal. Yep. Right. Right. So uh, that gives us a good baseline of, uh, of what NC2 is. So uh, as far as the blog article itself indicates, uh, why use NC2 with Citrix? So the first item here, I'll let, I'll let one of you guys, I'll just toss it out there. Easily expand on-premises Citrix workloads to the cloud. Yeah, wants- and I can, I can chime in on that one because sure. a lot of times people what we're seeing a lot of customers do is they're using the cloud as a way to burst out additional capacity or uh, to do some type of testing. That's their first kind of foray into the cloud, right? I need to do some testing. I don't want to go out and build out an environment with physical hardware. Hey, the cloud provides some real great resources. Cloud also provides some great resources for disaster recovery um, cases like this. So uh, with NC2 and Citrix, really it, 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 starts with that it's got to be easy to enable those take those on-premise workloads and migrate them over to uh the cloud very easily especially the citrix workloads um and and that was kind of the starting point right so how do we make sure that that works and how do we make sure that works seamlessly well the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that the tools are set up and the administrative processes are as simple as possible so that you don't have to give up something to make this work. Right, so um, the the next item, um, well, before I do that, Jeremy, any comments on that? On that? Um, so let me look at this. There's a there's a there's something I, I chatted with an architect while I was there that might fall into this bucket the best. So, you know, we talk about, um, being able to expand on-premises workloads, we're talking Citrix here, but you know, just generally speaking, take on-premises workloads and expand those out to the cloud. Um, one of the Nutanix architects told me this, and I thought it was pretty fascinating, is just given the supply chain challenges that we've got right now, you know, the idea is, well, in some cases, you know, I need to roll out new clusters, but I don't have um, the hardware yet. So he... I go, see, he used this phrase called cloud start, which is what if you could start in the cloud and then move it back, right? So I need to roll out new users like right now. You know, I need to scale out or expand, but I don't have the hardware. What if I started in the cloud 
with this new use case. And as I get the hardware in and I add that to my on-premises cluster, I can migrate those users back, which is kind of a different a different thought, right? Because again, it's the same platform. You're moving these folks around however you need to. Why not start in the cloud and just move it when you need it? Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. And it kind of plays really well into the next item here, which is effortlessly scale with additional nodes. The ability to, this gives you the ability to really quickly um, scale up with additional nodes just by adding a node. And this is kind of going back to the early days of Nutanix. um, That's kind of, you know, when they first came out as an offering, one of the one of the value props there was the ability to you stand up a three cl- three node cluster and say you can get a I just will throw a number out there, say you can get mm-hmm. 300 users per node. You wanted to add 300 more users, you just add another node. You want to add 600 users, you add two nodes, I mean, in theory. Um, mm-hmm. So it scaled in a linear way. Um, but what's interesting about this is uh, uh, it talks about that same concept, but being but being able to do it in the cloud. Um, and where you can expand it seamlessly up to 16 nodes, but then scale it down, which kind of weighs into your argument there, Jeremy, mm-hmm. about the ability to go both up and back, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a, an interesting um, advantage of this. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, you know, your on-prem clusters, or I'm not going to say they're a sunk cost, because I think in a lot of cases, there is on-prem subscriptions that make that look a little different now. But Listen, when you're running in the cloud and when you've got it turned on, you're paying the you're paying the ticker. Anything you can do to turn workloads off, suspend right. them, whatever you can do to turn that you know that that faucet off is is awesome. So the fact that you can do that from both a Nutanix perspective, you know, as well as Citrix using autoscale, I mean it's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, moving to the next one, I'm not rough, trying to rush through this, but save on cloud infrastructure costs. This kind of plays into what you just said too, Jeremy. You're very forward looking here. It's like I'm staring at this. I didn't mean to do that, but I <laughs> totally did that. But this is interesting because this is not something that I think you can natively do easily uh, mm-hmm. in certain clouds to be able to do hibernate and resume. I know that that there's at least one cloud that does suspend resume very very easily but uh this gives you the ability to put them on put the clusters on hold when capacity is not required and then so this and then resume them when necessary so um Todd any thoughts on that yeah and, and I think this is kind of where everyone's trying to get to right is the ability to control not only the cost but also the performance mm-hmm. and you know there's a big difference between hibernate and suspend right uh in, in True. Both of those are different than turning off, right? So right. if I need to spin up something from a from a dead stop, it's going to take me considerably more time and resources to do that versus, you know, take something out of hibernation or taking out of a suspend mode, right? So there's there's cost associated with that, but there's also the time and effort, right? If we're if we're talking in a specific industry like healthcare, as an example, uh, you know. Precious seconds matter, and they don't want to have to wait, right? There was an entire segment of the software industry that deals with, you know, optimizing performance. And this is just another uh, instance where, you know, that technology is coming into play. Yeah, it's interesting that this section of the article reflects... um, uh, kind of a something that is that I'm I'm very familiar with, and that is uh, things being left on by my kids, uh, mostly lights, not television. But uh, and this concept of of being able to scale back um, 
or hibernate workloads and save costs, but then give you kind of the same level of agility or at least a close level of agility in terms of being able to spin it back up, uh, you know, much more quickly than, like you said, Todd, from a from a dead state or a, a, a deallocated state in Azure. Um, so certainly an advantage. I You know, when I first read this, just scanning it, I was thinking, okay, so you can suspend and resume or hibernate and resume VMs, but this is talking about putting whole clusters on hold. That's a, yeah. a whole different ballgame there. Yeah. Well, let's again, now you're, now you're talking about cost savings at, at scale. Yes. Um, at yes. scale of the data center in, in, in situations where it's going to make a huge difference on your costs if you can shut down an entire cluster versus individual VMs. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. I would I would imagine, and we don't really want to get into pricing, but I would imagine that that suspending them doesn't suspend the cost, but probably reduces the cost for the time it's suspended. I would imagine something so, like that. So, yeah, you know, so when you think about it, um, just using just think about how Azure works, right? So right. it's probably not deallocated, right? But just suspended. So there is some level of consumption that is reserved. What if you need to spin it back up? Like, you right, don't have to exactly. That, so yeah, somebody else can grab it and then you're yeah. not able to spin it back up in a, in a really serious situation that that would be a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely some questions there. Does it make sense to do that with a reserved instance of some kind, but you know, I don't right. still trying to pick apart what that looks like. So. Oh, I'm sure there'll be more to come for sure. This is very new. Um, so the next item here, experience familiar administrative features. So the integration of CBAD, or Citrix DAS with Nutanix clusters provides Nutanix customers with the same management experience. So same Prism interface from a Nutanix perspective, same Citrix DAS interface can be used. Um, and with respect to Nutanix, the same one on-prem uh, versus uh, using Nutanix clusters in Azure. Any thoughts on this, Jeremy or Todd? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you that out of curiosity, um, I went out to the Azure portal just to see mm -hmm. um, just to see it out there. So there is, it's it's out there on the Azure Marketplace, which is awesome. So what that means is, if you are a, you know, if you have any sort of commit with with Microsoft on Azure, it looks like this will probably ding that plan, so you can use up some of your consumption as you go. Right. Um, yeah, and it, and oh. it indicates that Nutanix customers can use their existing term licenses to get the consumption of the Nutanix software through the Azure Marketplace. So that makes makes it pretty simple for them to to move into the cloud leveraging NC2 based on what this says. Yeah, as I'm looking at this, it talks about how the payment frequency is $0 a month. And you're probably using your your cluster licensing, which you already own, um, you can yep. put on that cluster. So yep. at that point, you're just paying for whatever the Azure consumption of this is. Yeah. 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 No, this is uh, this is very cool. So this is GA now. So I can clearly go out to the portal and grab it. Mm -hmm. um, fully supported. So it's not a. It's not like a. What does what Nutanix call their? I'm going to use a Citrix word, but their tech previews. This isn't like early access, is what they call it. So is this yeah. still early access, or is this GA now? I thought I saw it reference to G. A reference to GA, or maybe it said GA soon. Yeah, there's a couple of references around PVS and MCS integration as yes, well. Yes, there is. Yeah, we mentioned we skipped over that. Yeah. 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 It says uh the plugin, it's the plugin for NC2, um, is available for early access and it's currently works with MCS and PVS is expected later this year. Yeah. Got it. So I guess the real point to this one as well is this has already been 
validated for the Citrix Ready program. So I did have a meeting with um, one of our internal architects, and he's been working pretty close on this joint solution. So it is validated. Like you said, it works with MCS today, and I think later this year, um, PBS will be supported too, which is what you just said. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty slick. You know what? Here's the real question, though. As much as I love PBS, you know, Bill, what you know about Nutanix um, and the shadow copy clones that that kind of come with it, you know, MCS is an awesome solution on Nutanix. It is an awesome solution. And I know there were a lot of, you know, we've we've done most of the projects we've done with Nutanix have been MCS. We I believe we've had trying to remember if they ended up staying with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did. We had one where they leveraged the PBS with an on-premises mm-hmm. cluster. Um, and but you know, as as the way our, the way Nutanix is designed, it it mm-hmm. really lends itself to MCS as as where that makes sense from a performance perspective and a management perspective, you don't have as as much infrastructure required as you do with PBS. Um, and it because of the shadow copy clones and the and the data locality, um, you don't really get a performance hit, or at least not much of one, if any, with MCS. So most customers are are either pivoting from PBS on premises to MCS on Nutanix. Um, but we have a couple that have um, have continued to leverage PBS, largely because I think they're familiar with it, they're comfortable with it. Uh, and one benefit of PBS is if you want to go back from you know mm-hmm. your one image to the image previously, it's really just a reboot. There's not a lot of orchestration that needs to go on in the background. It's really just stupid simple. So being very cognizant of the fact that Todd came from Ardens <laughs> and uh, he's got a, a special place in his heart for it. Um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Although I will say this, because this has been image portability has been a big topic for on-premises customers moving to the cloud. So if you're an existing PBS customer running on Nutanix, it's pretty easy because your yep. image does not need to, again, be refactored for PBS in the cloud um, whenever that goes live. It's just easily to, you know, you can move those images over. The right. rollback is super nice, right? It so is. being able to just roll back almost instantly yeah. uh, is a huge selling factor. But I got to imagine, you know, the other piece of that is just being able to move those PBS images you know, out to a cluster sitting in Azure or AWS for that matter. Yep. That's pretty powerful as well. Yeah, very powerful. Um, And and that's one of the, and that's obviously one of the things that's, that's been out there is understanding that PVS and MCS are both going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that that image portability service is really that game changer. It's the link between that and being able to say, you know, I could take that same image and use it in PBS or MCS, and I can use it on a variety of different cloud platforms as well. It really eliminates that that blocker that a lot of people have, whether it be real or kind of in their in their mind, is that you know I, I'm going to have to go and rebuild my entire environment just to be able to support these new resources. Yeah, and the and the portability again, and I think this is what you're saying, Todd. Is you know when you think about Today, if, if you've got an on-premises CVAT environment or you've got a Citrix DAS environment with the on-premises workloads and you want to put those in Azure or, or in AWS or GCP for that matter, those images have to be essentially converted or pro- what we would probably recommend is that you build them new. If you're taking an image on-prem, a traditional image on-prem and putting it even MCS in Azure, um, you'd want to build it in Azure to, to make sure that you're not going to have any issues. Same for AWS, same for GCP. Whereas in this instance, you, like you said, you don't you don't really have to do that because it's the same underlying environment in theory uh, across all clouds. 
Absolutely. All right, Bill, you got me chasing down the, did I make that stuff up around bare metal or not in Azure? So next week we'll validate it, but I am looking at a slide. In fact, this is one of the slides we presented at the partner session. Um, it's the um, Monica who's joined us on the <laughs> on the podcast before has called this slide the uh, Nutanix uh, hamburger. Because oh, okay. It's got, you know, it's got Prism, it's got Citrix, it's got the Nutanix in the middle and then all your different you know, locations. And it does say EC2, which is AWS is bare metal. Right. Um, and then it says uh, additional public clouds. Cause again, these could be private clouds, but you know, Microsoft right. Azure in particular, but we'll get an answer on that. Cause I'm pretty sure EC2 is bare metal. And I think it's native Azure. Well, I, I spent, I spent very little time because of meetings and other things in the exhibit <laughs> hall last week. So I didn't get a chance to go around and talk to them. So um, I'd be inclined to say that, uh, there's probably some differences there because I know that Nutanix and, and Azure took their time getting into mm -hmm. you know, getting NC2 into the cloud, and I think that was on purpose. Um, so there, I suspect there are some differences, some advantages and differences between that approach, their approach there, and to other clouds. So, uh, you know what? To, so to your point about being busy, I was I was busy all week as well, but oh, yeah. I did get a I did get a short window of time where I did go into the vendor village and I got to go see. Obviously, I went to the Citrix one. You got to go high five your own guys. Um, and gals, but you know, I did go into the Nutanix one, and of course, it just touched a lot of different things. And I, I just remember thinking, man, I missed this. I remember walking into the vendors and just having them tell me yeah. what it is is yeah. new, because you kind of miss that. And most of them have a really good demo, which is really cool to see. Yeah. And I got to be, if I'm being transparent, I went into the Citrix booth doing the same thing. There were things that, listen, I get so busy, I kind of miss some things. So sometimes. There are certain things that I haven't seen yet as a Citrix employee that it was kind of good to get in front of the product manager or whoever's presenting yeah. to have them take me through it. So I miss that. What yeah, I was in there um, just briefly uh, for breakfast, and I actually got a chance to finally meet Monica in person. So, I got, mm -hmm. But I didn't get any demos because uh, it was early in the morning. And she did give me a T-shirt that, unfortunately, I left in one of the exhibit hall, one of the uh, <laughs> break rooms. So I have to score that some other time. So. All right. Anyways, I think we've covered this pretty fully. Anybody, any of you guys have any other final um, closing comments? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the one comment that Calvin put in at the very end here is, you know, contact your uh, Citrix and Nutanix partner. And right. uh, ironically with uh, Zentegra, you've got one, one phone call to make. That's right. Um, so obviously you can reach out to uh, to Zentegra to uh, hear about both Citrix and Nutanix. As well yep. as a couple of other vendors out there uh, to really kind of put this all together. So I really appreciate the uh, the opportunity to talk here today, Bill. Well, sure. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, we, uh, we, we've got a lot of experience, got a lot of experienced consultants, uh, solution architects around both of these stacks and can definitely help uh, help customers get understand the the options here and, and what the requirements are and get them into it if, if they want to. So yeah, reach out to your your local Zentegra CE. And if you don't know who that is, reach out to me and I'll tell you. Okay. Jeremy, any final parting thoughts? You know what? I think I've run my mouth enough. So <laughs> all good. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk right, to great. you again next week. All Thank right. You. Thanks, Bill. Week. Thanks, Todd. See you guys.